Welcome to the RAB Poetry Podcast, where we bring you the stories behind the words, where every poem has a story behind it. Our podcast is a journey through the hearts and minds of poets as we delve into the inspirations, struggles, and triumphs that fuel their work. In each episode, we'll feature a poem, sharing the underlying stories and reciting the most powerful and moving pieces. From various poems on wide variety of topics and rising poets and authors, our podcast is the perfect companion for anyone who loves poetry and the power of words. Whether you're a seasoned poetry enthusiast or just getting started, you'll find something to love on the RAB Poetry Podcast. So tune in and let the stories of our poets take you on a journey of inspiration and emotion. Listen to the REB Poetry Podcast, available on all major platforms now. Welcome to Fandom Power. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's uh, Wes and Andy back again for another, this time, pre-recorded episode of Fandom Power, the show where we like to talk about all things uh, pop culture. This week, the show comes to you courtesy of this guy. Andy's put something together for us. And just like our Twitter episode, this one comes at a... Wes has never read any of these. I have no prior knowledge to these, so as we go through these... Hopefully, they will take you by surprise. The ones I know, I will know, and the ones I don't know, I won't. But uh, I'm sure it's going to spur some uh, interesting conversations. So, as we get into wild and crazy fan uh, film fan theories, don't forget to uh, post your crazy theories in the comments on uh, all of our uh, contact locations. And... uh, let us know if uh, your thoughts on any of these. Yeah, because some of them are really out there. Okay, well, I'm really looking forward to, uh, you know, the good, the bad, and the what the hell. <laughs> yep, there is some of that, too. Okay. All right, so, man, I'm ready. You, you can... Uh, so are you ready to dive right I'll in here? Kick it off, man. I'm ready. Okay. Uh, if you go looking out there, like, there is no end to film theories from fans on how things could connect or what stuff could be. So uh, I went scouring and I found a few of them. Okay. Actually, I found more than a few, but uh, for tonight, we've got 12. Oh, okay. 12 theories we're going to go over. Sure, here. sure. So uh, let's get to it then. Okay. Wild and crazy film fan theories. Wild and crazy. All right. So what? Uh, theory what, number one, I guess. Uh, theory number one. Let's number kick one. it us off with a popular one. Sure, sure. Uh, pulp Fiction. Just what was in that briefcase? Oh, okay. That's because they never tell you, and there's and in there's a couple interesting theories about this. So it's been a long time since I've watched Pulp Fiction. So the briefcase, um, no, they don't open it, do they? Uh, they open it a few times, and but they just there's all no you camera get is this shot. weird golden glow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. everybody who sees it is dumbstruck by whatever's in there. So wait, before we get into what the what the internet has said, do you have a, an opinion on that? Honestly, no, I don't. I okay. thought it was a light. All right. Well, then what? <laughs> and in all practicality, it was a light. <laughs> More than likely. Yeah. Okay. Well, what does the internet have to say well, about the this? internet? Uh, actually, this is not the internet. This is straight from Quentin Tarantino. Oh, really? In a 1995 interview with Playboy, Samuel L. Jackson explained that all right. he went and he asked Tarantino what was supposed to be in there. Yeah. And he got the reply, whatever you want it to be whatever you want it so be. whatever you dream can be in there could be in there <sighs> okay but the man i'm gonna have to go back and watch it watch it again because now Shit, it's a good movie yeah but now i'm like what was the context of like what was so important about it why did they they don't give you the context no, they, they really don't do they know it's that just... it's been taken from marcellus wallace briefcase yeah. yeah so uh in that uh vein of thinking Right. What if the case contained the soul of Marcellus Wallace? (laughs) Okay. Many fans have theorized that the briefcase retrieved by the hitman does contain the soul of their gangster boss who had previously sold it to the devil. Well, is there not like we're, we're well into Tarantino territory here now. Is there not, uh, is there not a notion that says that all of Tarantino's films are in an interconnected space? 
maybe not. Or is that another? Is that another fan theory that I'm crossing over it, to? It could be. I don't know. Because if you go with the notion that all of Tarantino's films are interconnected, I mean, how else can you have uh, Pulp Fiction connected to um, um, Jackie Brown? Not Jackie Brown, the vampire one. Vampire one. You know, the they've done a bunch of direct oh. video uh, sequels to it. Uh, uh, from Dusk Till Dawn. Yeah, From Dusk Till Dawn. I that mean, that one wasn't directed by him, though. Oh, he was in it. Was he not? Did he not direct that? No, did he write that it? was uh, him and his buddy Rodriguez, I believe. Did he write that one? I think he might have. Maybe that's why I'm getting them confused. But I mean, let's okay. So let's just presume that those two films are connected. There is a supernatural connection. True. That might work. It could work. All but, right. Uh, for us, you know, let's uh, see how they actually connect this. Okay, sure. Let's do it. And first off, there's the three kids in the beginning of the movie, and people theorize that they are yeah. the devil's helpers. And remember that uh, at the end of the scene, when the kid comes out with a hand cannon. Okay. Jules and Vincent are not harmed by the bullets. Oh. And he says, you know, God came down and stopped the bullets because they were saving a soul, <laughs> okay. which would make it divine intervention. Oh, a so soul. The miracle is a literal miracle. Uh, okay. All right. Next up, if you look at the code to unlock the case. Yeah. 666. What? <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, sold a soul to the devil, huh? Quite possibly. Okay, well then, that's interesting. Uh, the next piece of information here that people have honed in on okay. is Marcellus himself. When oh. we first see him, yeah, he's yeah. got a Band-Aid on the back of his neck. Oh. And some people on the internet have said that the devil steals your soul through the back of your neck. Now, oh. there is no okay. correlating biblical text to this. Yeah, yeah. However, in... Uh, the 1879 book demonology and devil lore he okay 1879 must have been a hit yeah by <laughs> moncure daniel conway written in 1879 1879 yeah. there is a depiction of the demon lilith striking at the neck and it's portrayed in a now is that, that looks like adam is it like adam and eve adam it could be that's what it kind of looks that way but that is the uh, temptation and expulsion by michelangelo oh and there's also okay. a poem by rossetti which makes mention of the neck and that goes as follows right uh, the rose and the poppy are her flowers for where is he not found O lilith who shed scent and soft shed kisses and soft sleep shall snare lo as that youth's eyes burned at thine so went thy spell through him and left his straight neck bent and round his heart, one strangling golden hair. Oh, so that's interesting. Cryptic and vague, but sure, but in a an actual connection to yeah, the neck yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah, demons. Yeah. So wait, we're saying that Marcellus may have sold his soul to the devil, which would make. Uh, and so now, is he worth saving? I don't know. I don't know either. Because we don't really get more of him. I mean, we leave him in a pretty dark place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's ready to do some pretty dark stuff. Yeah. But he does spare Bruce Willis's character, so uh, yeah, maybe there's yeah, some yeah. redeeming character yeah, yeah, maybe. aspects there. I feel like there's a sequel in there somewhere. Could be. But, you know, what else could emit that heavenly glow? Oh, man. Uh you know, we're into the metaphysical now. So, I mean, anything goes. I mean, could it have been like a vial of holy water or maybe you know, something else kind of weird like that? Maybe. I don't know. But there is another theory. Angel halo. Hmm. Could be. And this one is closer to our uh, our comic love, I guess you could call it. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, uh, what else could it possibly be? Yep. Well, what if it was something connected to this <laughs> what if jules winfield is actually nick fury is nick fury because you know in in the film he's making his choice he wants to be the shepherd he's trying yeah, really hard yeah, to be yeah. the shepherd oh yeah and nick fury is kind of like the shepherd to the world you know i gotta go back now when do we know roughly what year pulp fiction is set in is it contemporary for its time i would think so yeah so that is post agent fury of the 90s is it not or would it be right in that same time frame possibly in that same time frame oh. maybe he got a haircut cleaned himself up and okay well that's tomorrow. you know what i mean that's <laughs> i'm just gonna go out and just dismiss this one right now because there's no way i'm buying into this one maybe not but 
I still there think is, it's fun to talk about, though. There's a couple supporting points for this. Oh, okay. Lay what it on could me. be glowing in that briefcase? The Tesseract? How about an Infinity Stone? Oh, no. Because <laughs> S.H.I.E.L.D. has known, been known to have Infinity Stones. Well, that's true. So that one would be, that's the Mind Stone? Uh, Soul Stone, I Soul believe. Soul Stone. Which okay. should be on Vormir, but well, for all intents and purposes. It just happened to be in a briefcase on Earth. And here is the clinch. Yeah, yeah, okay. In Captain America, the Winter Soldier, when Fury is presumed dead. Yeah. On his tombstone is the path of the righteous man. <laughs> Ezekiel 25, 17. <laughs> That's interesting. So Somebody take from that kinda... what you will. I fear. Wink, wink. Yeah, probably a nod to uh, <laughs> to Pulp Fiction, no yeah, doubt. Yeah, but yeah, for sure, for sure. As far as fan theories go, you know, there's a connecting piece. That's the thing too. Like some of these, I'm sure like the, uh, the, the rhetoric around it is probably pretty fervent depending on what circles you're, you're kind of going around in. Yeah. But like, Oh, I don't think I can buy into this one very much. <laughs> I like the, I like the idea that one movie may nod to the other, but I think it's Marvel nodding back at not, not yeah, uh, not, not trying like to a, connect to it, not like a Simpsons future prediction kind of situation. <laughs> probably you not. Know. You never know. Who knows? But. Never say never. Yep. Except so, for right now. Uh, never. <laughs> okay. Okay. All on. right. Uh, our next theory. This one gets really dark. Oh, okay. All right. Oddly enough, there's some really dark theories out there. Yeah, I imagine so. Uh, but this one poses the question, uh, what was going on in Greece? Uh, okay. So, uh, I mean, it's not just the happy summer romance high school movie that I think it, it is. It is not. Oh, uh, boy. This particular fan theory posits that uh, Sandy actually drowned at the beach. Oh, the entire the, okay. movie. This one I've heard. It's just a fantasy yes, sequence. Yes, this one I've heard that it's all sort of in her moment of death. Yeah. So, which the, really makes it terrible. It does. It really does. Yeah. Uh, the key to this one, though, it, is both the beginning and the ending of the film. Yeah. Because at the beginning they meet on the beach and at the yeah, end yeah. they fly away in the car. Uh, yeah, that's true. Don't so, I? uh, <laughs> forgot all about there, there's other clues too, right? Yeah. Uh, during, uh, summer nights, he sings, you know, I saved her life. She nearly drowned. Uh, and is this oh, her brain processing really? denial? Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, that last scene, you know, they're flying away technically to heaven. So, so is she just she has accepted it and is, is is Danny just a construct of her he could have been on the beach and that was the maybe, last thing she I saw. Yes, maybe. But is it wasn't Greece a musical before it was a film? Uh I don't know for sure. I, I think it was a musical, but I, I could be getting my wires crossed. Maybe it was a film first, musical second. It is a musical film. It's a musical they've it is a musical it. film. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um it's certainly better than the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> But, but I mean, uh, there you go. I almost want to go back and like find something from like the writers. Like they must be, they must have an opinion on this. Oh, of course they would. I've actually got a couple in tonight's list where oh, yeah, they sure. have posed it to like the director or oh, whoever, yeah. and they've weighed in with their two cents. Oh, interesting. Okay. With varying results. Oh, fair enough. Next one. Yeah. Uh, this one's a bit more lighthearted. Uh, just who is the garbage man in Toy Story 3? The garbage man, the garbage oh. man in Toy Story 3. Yes, I never thought about the garbage man. I was too busy looking at the uh, at, at the, all the toys, the, the murder bear. Yes, lots of <laughs> lots of oh my god, that guy's evil. Now, this theory it rests on the fact that some people may have forgotten the very first Toy Story movie, okay? But uh, this garbage man does bear a really close resemblance, okay, to Andy's former neighbor. Oh. Remember Sid from next door? Oh Order? yeah, yeah. Wow, that the animation on that is just wow. Yeah, it's old animation. It's sure, kind, sure. Kind of hard to watch now, but right. So we're saying that the the mean kid from next door grew up to be the garbage man. It's quite possible. Okay, he got uh, you know scared straight in the first film. Okay, and our first clue, and this one is unmistakable. Yeah, the shirt oh, matches oh, up perfectly. Oh, 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 that's cool. So yeah, there's yeah, your that's first cool. clue. That's cool. And to further go on it, yep. The reason Sid grew up to become a garbage man is to save all those toys because he knows oh, that they're alive. That's interesting. So the lesson he learned back then altered him forever. Yeah, it changed his uh, his trajectory like altogether. Absolutely. 
Wow. To go from tormenting toys to wanting to save them. You think on one level, like, okay, so the kid grows up to be the garbage man. You're like, oh, way to go, a slack and underachiever. But then when you add in the... He might be saving Yeah, them yeah, that changes like, everything. That scene when they're in the furnace about to be burned alive. Well, yeah. It was like, Jen laughs at me. I cried in that scene because oh. they give up hope. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Well, they do. Here you go. Maybe Sid has his redemption arc. Oh, well, that, that adds a whole new level of context. Yeah. Right? I have to go back and watch that one too now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, I think we can, I'm, I'm happy to confirm that one. Uh, I will take that one as a fan theory confirmed. Yes. I think so. I will take that as a confirmed. Even if it's not true, I head canon it is, you know, in the Pixar world, uh, oh. there's been a whole lot of, uh, there has been crossover, actually, so. there's another theory that I left off tonight Yeah, yeah. and it is Pixar universe spanning. Uh, there's a bunch of, yeah, that's been going for a, a long time. Uh, most recently, I don't know if you, uh, did you catch the, um, red? I have not watched red. So, uh, red actually has a, as a, a reference back to, uh, oh my Lord, what's the, the one, the one that's, uh, the, the little boy who goes to the Mexican, uh, underworld. Coco. Yeah, so there's a reference to Coco in that movie. Oh, geez. One of the kids at the school is wearing a band t-shirt from the band nice. in Coco. Hmm. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So our next one is not the Pixar universe. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, originally, this one was found on Facebook by a user named Matt. And Way to go, Matt. Yeah, this one's actually kind of neat. Uh, according to his popular theory... Is Jack Dawson really who he says he is? What do you think? He just murdered somebody and took their ticket? No, no, we don't. No, okay. But is he actually from the future? <laughs> is he what from if the Jack Dawson future? is a time traveler? Uh, okay. He's a time traveler that cannot control his own ability to move through time. Oh, no. He, he came directly to this point for a specific reason to die? No. The only reason he boarded the Titanic. Right was to save Rose's life and stop her from committing suicide. He was oh. there to stop that moment. If Rose had jumped, okay. Being that she was a first class passenger. Yeah. Yeah. The ship would have been forced to stop. They would have been forced to search for her oh. and any delay, even temporary would have led to warmer weather. And the Titanic would never hit the ice. would have sunk and it would have forever altered the timeline. Uh, okay. Okay. We're getting heavy now. We are. Uh, the most obvious clue to this okay. is when Jack mentions that he went fishing on Lake Wissota. That is oh, a man-made right, right, right. lake. Man-made lake. It yeah. was created in 1917. Yeah. How many years? Five after? years <laughs> after the Titanic sank. <laughs> oh boy. Oh, see, this is where like, uh, like continuity issues can really mess with. Yeah. Movie. Somebody <laughs> didn't do due diligence on history and it, it really affects this theory. Nobody will notice though. Nobody, <laughs> but they did. Uh, we also find him at the beginning of the film. You know, he's got no money. He's got to win his way aboard. Right. So traveling through time, you're not exactly bringing money with well, you. Well, probably not. No. And then uh, there's his hairstyle and fashion, which are completely out of place for the timeline. The rucksack. That he yeah, carries was yeah. Not until the thirties, the right. haircut straight out of the thirties. Yeah. Fashion definitely passed when the Titanic was going, can we call, I'm going to chalk that one up to artistic Liberty though. Uh, fair you know enough. what I mean? Like that's that whole, like I've been ha talking about this quite a bit actually lately with, uh, with Scott or other recording partner about how like actors want to be seen and they want to be recognized. True. And that was kind of, I mean, that was kind of his style for that period of his life. It would be. Yeah. You know? That's but, interesting uh, though. I mean the whole time travel thing. So like, and I love the Terminator reference, by the way, using that imagery. Like, do you think like somebody sent him back or he came back of his own will or that's part of the theory? Okay. Well then lay it on me. So, uh, there's one more chunk of evidence here for time sure, travel. Sure. Yep. And furthermore, Jack claims that he will take Rose on the roller coaster on the Santa Monica pier. Oh boy. But that thing wouldn't be built <laughs> until 1916, four years after Titanic. So we got a, we got a, a two future references. We got a bat. We got a lake. That's a five years after, after the fact and, yep. a, and a roller coaster. That's four years after the fact. Yeah. So unless he swam to shore well, and showed up later, <laughs> <laughs> maybe, but the theory goes on to yeah. speculate further because of another James Cameron film involving time travel, there is the possibility that Rose is actually the grandmother of Sarah Connor. 
Oh, how would, are we connecting the dots on this one? Again, you need they needed to send a Terminator back to save Sarah. Okay. Same way they need to save Rose. Because no Rose equals no Sarah's mom equals no Sarah equals no John. You know, on that note, we could we could fan theorize like a whole bunch of movies into the Terminator franchise Absolutely. under that one. Oh, okay. All right. Strictly resting on James Cameron, though. Well, is this, I wonder, do you think he's got a, an opinion on that? Maybe. Cause I mean, I like, I can find one, but, oh man. You know, the, the, the style of those two films are just so, so different. different. And it's like, so if, if, um, if, 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 uh, Jack is actually from, you know, post judgment day and he just grabbed whatever oh, clothes man. he thought were clothes. <laughs> funny that he does you know he fits in so well though he doesn't he doesn't act like you know the the other terminator films where any of the time he's not exactly frantic he's just any of the time travel elements don't really come up like there's no like techno babble that puts him out of place like he just fits i mean aside from the haircut and the period dress being slightly off he fits in really well yeah and the other slip-ups you know he's trying to blend in that's true. That's so. true. Mind you, we didn't see him have to go and get his clothes to cover his naked body. No, we didn't see that. <laughs> and that would be a departure from yeah, the Terminator. True. Yeah, yeah, true. Although I do like that idea. I think there's a. I could make a great fan fiction, I think. You know, like. What if her fiance was actually the Terminator? Well, this is what I mean. Like, her. this whole idea of, like, you could write a fan fiction from the perspective of Jack mm. and what's going the monologue in his head true you know talking referencing back to the future that might be interesting mm. okay uh are you done on this one yeah you that, are okay i'm gonna call this one, this one um <laughs> bad history research well no I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah okay all right our next one uh we're going back to the toy story universe oh sure yeah whatever happened to jesse's original owner anomaly anyway Wow, uh, Emily. Anyway, that's a good question. Uh, I got to think about where Jesse came from now, because again, I'm so out of touch with Toy Story. Fair enough. Uh, um, this theory was originally found on HuffPost.com by oh, John sure. Negroni. Yeah, and it's fairly in depth. Yeah, uh, yeah, it all starts with the hat. Okay. So, uh, as we know, Jesse's hat is the same hat that Emily yeah, was wearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure it is. But it poses that. Uh, what if Emily grew up to become Andy's mom? Wait, wait, would, would time travel again? Nope, no time travel. Okay, wait, how does this work then? All right, so this one works. Uh, as we can see yeah. in Toy Story 1, Andy's hat does not match Woody's hat. No, it doesn't. And you would think for, you know, that much love of a cowboy, they want matching hats. Mm, possibly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, well, it does kind of look like Emily's hat. It does kind of look like Emily's hat. And yeah, in yeah, Toy yeah. Story 2... Uh, Andy's mom, Mrs. Davis, mentions that Woody is an old family toy. Are you saying that the hat is a hand-me-down hat? It could be. Oh, I like that one. Yeah, that one. Because yes, Jesse's hat and Andy's hat match up. They do, don't they? It's the same red hat with the white lace trim. Does it have? Does her hat now? He's got this extra red, an extra uh, red uh, ribbon ribbon piece. Does hers have that too? No, hers has a white one and. On Andy's, this is either yeah, a new yeah. red ribbon or okay. a faded mark where white lace should be. Oh, well, the, to me, the image, I mean, looks like there's texture there. That looks like yeah. that's an extra piece. Of so fabric. it could be a replacement ribbon. I think about like, you know, popular toy lines, like even of our like childhood and like the other items that come out of that, like Halloween costumes. And yeah. Stuff, and role like play lunchboxes. Yeah. 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 else that goes with it. Not impossible. There's that's not a far stretch at all. No. I like that one. Yeah. So we do remember the story of Jesse, though. Her em- her owner, Emily. Okay. Uh, grew up with her much the same way Andy grew up with Woody. Yeah. And Jesse was incredibly loved. She was very much loved right, by a child. Right. But Emily eventually gave her away as she grew older. Yep. Because, you know, she grew up. Her interests changed into more wow. grown-up yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Jesse was in storage for a long time. Yeah. And that's confirmed in the movie because Jesse literally has a panic attack over having to go back into storage. Right. But uh, if we take a look at the stuff in Emily's room. Okay. We can see oh, that the hat yeah, is yeah, on the bed. Is. So the role play hat. 
Ah, okay. And also the room basically from the fashions and whatnot. Yeah. You can tell the time frame is Oh yeah, 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 older. yeah, yeah. Of course. So it takes place years before Andy was born. Yeah. And you can tell it's not modern day. Like there's flower power, there's vintage records. Well, yeah, records we're looking at away uh, huge. that's like a sixties reference right there, if yeah. ever there was. But when Emily puts uh, Jesse in the donation box, we see that she puts in Emily, the boots, the lunchbox, but no hat. But not the hat. The hat won't even fit in that box. No. So uh, it is absent from that scene. Okay. I'm, I'm just, I don't know if there's any more to this, but I'm just going to go out and say that's, that's the truth. There's a bit more. That's the truth. I buy it. Yeah. So. Uh, All right. Lock it in for me. Lock it in for you. Yep. Emily held onto it. It was a family heirloom and it passed down to Andy. Absolutely. Of course it did. Makes it couldn't be any sense. Sure, sure. I mean, uh, it couldn't be anything else. No, I like that one. It's a good one. It's a nice wrapped up one. Yeah, that one is very. Uh, and even though she doesn't know it's the same Jesse, you know, she just thinks it's another one. And like, sure, I mean, the funny thing is, in any of the Toy Stories, do we? I mean, except for the the, the all the buzzes in the store, do we ever see like multiple versions of, of the other characters? Uh not that i could recall. we don't really see like a bunch of woodies well, maybe we like even at the daycare you don't see a bunch of them no no so maybe they just weren't particularly popular i don't know but it yeah, but he's uh, a vintage yeah, collector yeah yeah and it's cool say he's super rare so yeah 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 there was lots of uh what was it stinky pete <laughs> but not a lot of woodies no <laughs> so it's like he-man now right not a lot of he-man produced whereas you got lots, lots of buzz of off <laughs> <laughs> lots of buzz off uh so our next one this one's a fun one. Uh, Iron Man 2. Oh, I like Iron Man. Just who is the kid? Oh, so we already that? know this. We, we already do. know this one. We do know this one. Yeah, and this one is for sure. Yes, this is actually yeah, because the actor came back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know who that is. So Marvel fans have long speculated that the little kid in the mask that uh, Iron oh, Man Oh, sorry. Saved. Sorry. I'm thinking of something else. You might be, but this one's confirmed. Is it absolutely confirmed? It is absolutely there, confirmed. Okay, so that's a new one for me then because I know this theory. I was thinking it was the kid. It was uh, the kid from the third one, but no, that's that's not true because we're talking Iron Man two. No, the third one. He shows up. He's in, the kid uh, that came to the funeral. Yes. Yeah. This one I know. This one is theorized to be Peter Parker. Who confirmed that? Uh, I'll get there. Okay. All right. Well, take, <laughs> even though take we me know, through it. take uh, me through it. He didn't officially enter the MCU until 2016 with Civil War. That's right. But we know that it was a giant science exposition in his hometown neighborhood of Queens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Young Peter would definitely find a way to be there in to be involved in all that science. I would think so. Uh, the kid originally, okay, was played by Max Favreau, son oh, of John Favreau. Nice. Yeah, yeah that one. that's cool. And uh, it would be later that uh, Tom Holland did an interview, really, with the Huffington Post in 2016. Yeah, yeah, and he confirmed it interesting so there you go okay well i like that one kid in the mask is young peter parker i like that one that's cool under ruse that's right <laughs> this next one uh this one's really weird okay but uh it's got some points to it uh the next one is about the shining oh you had to pick a horror movie i did okay is the shining just a secret confession uh uh, a who's confession uh kubrick's stanley kubrick's and what's he confessing to uh the theory is and it's out of this world oh, according oh. to some conspiracy theorists oh that uh the, the whole sh- the lunar landing was staged and he yeah. made the movie the shining is kubrick's secret oh. confession for working with the government to You've stage the me. apollo 11 moon landing you lost me on this one just hold on though. okay okay there, there's some stuff uh the film it changes the room the haunted room's number to 237 in the book it was 217 at the time the distance between the earth and the moon was thought to be 237,000 miles oh of course later we confirmed it to be 2000 or 238,900 yeah 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 at the time so there's your number yeah uh there's also the fact that the book had a single slain child but the movie has two, and they theorize that it's in reference to the Gemini program. Gemini. Oh, interesting. That, okay, that's interesting. And an even more overt detail from the same scene. Right. Danny's sweater has a little rocket on it labeled Apollo 11. 
Is it a confession? Maybe. You know, how long have the rumors of the lunar landing been uh, swirling around that it was faked? Quite a while. Like, do you think that the, it was rumored right from the beginning? Maybe. So do you think that this is also him just playing at the fans who are like, could the, be the naysayers like, uh, I'll give you something to talk about. Eh, I don't know. Honestly, I think it might've been faked. I don't. It, I think it might've been faked just so they could say they did it ahead of the Russians. Uh, maybe space race, right? They yeah. had to win. Oh, that's true. That, is that was true. one way to win. I guess, I guess, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give you this one. I'll give you the, uh, it was faked for the transformer reason because <laughs> there's uh, robots living on the moon. Yep. There might be, by the way, you need to watch the new movie on prime, the yep. moonfall hmm. watch moonfall. It's pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Our next one's a bit twisted. Uh, okay. Uh, this one poses the theory that uh, what if home alone was an origin story? Oh boy, that's really, really creepy. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what if Kevin grew up to be John Kramer, the mastermind behind all the uh, traps in Saw? Right. So, th- this is not. Is he the Jigsaw character, or is he John some, Kramer? Yeah. Okay. He's the guy that designs the first batch of traps. Right. So, uh, proponents of this theory, they have uh, numerous connections linking Kevin to Jigsaw. Okay. Including almost identical appearance uh okay that's that's pretty thin but okay yep violent tendencies also pretty thin but okay and a similar knack for booby traps well it's middle america man like you know these preppers true (laughs) you know what the prepper community is like (laughs) another connection they've made is to think back how kevin he feared that childhood basement because of the furnace and grown up john kramer built a furnace inspired trap Okay, I'm not going to lie. I was afraid of the basement as a kid. A mom said, go down to the basement and get something out of the freezer. And I'd be like, <laughs> nope, nope, there isn't enough light. I could have the power of the sun harnessed to my head, and there's not enough light to go down there and get Aww. something. No, I hated it. Ugh, that just play. See, now that's per In horror movie tropes, that's perfect, because that just plays into the natural fear of children. Yeah, the fear of the unknown. <sighs> no, the monster infested basement that's pennywise that's my brain (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i don't know how true it could be but it's a maybe you know what i'm not a horror movie guy so i'll give that one to you because i have no way to say no (laughs) (laughs) i i don't have enough knowledge of the other film to go no even if i want to well as a young kid he got a taste for it and just continued on (laughs) i guess for multiple sequels i guess yeah yeah so uh, next up, though, this one's kind of neat. Okay. Uh, what if Max from Mad Max yeah. isn't the same Max in Fury Road? Is not Max Rokotansky? Yeah. Oh. Is Mad Max still the same person? Well, he doesn't really speak in that movie. No, he doesn't. And that's part of why this theory is floating around. Okay. All right. I'm interested. Tell me so, more. Uh, this one originally found on nerdist.com nerdist. Okay. Yeah. I've read some of their stuff and it proposes that Hardy is yep, max yep. in name only. Sure. And Gibson's max passed the torch along with his jacket sometime his down the line to a new road warrior. Oh, that's interesting. But uh, if this is true, you know, who is the new guy? Oh, geez. I don't know. Uh, oh, wait, wait. Is he the, the wild kid? That's what some people are no thinking. No way. <laughs> Did we meet him already in Mad Max 2? Is as it the, the wild kid? kid? Oh, that's awesome. I like that one. So, you know, not so mysterious after all. We already got introduced to him, and he was only a boy, a growling, grunting, boomerang throwing boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. None other than the feral kid from the Road Warrior. So th- these movies have this. So, uh, um, Emmert and Joe in, uh, in, the, in Mad Max or Fury Road is the same actor that played, uh, the great humongous. Uh, no, the guy from, uh, the first, first Mad Max movie. Okay. Same villain, hmm. same actor, just the same way that the gyro captain is the same. It's the same guy who's flying the plane. Yeah. Like, so maybe, 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 I don't know. But, uh, the feral kid was played by Emil Minty okay. back then. Yep. And, uh, you know, back then when uh, Max happened upon to Papa Galau's tribe, yeah, the feral kid, he was completely enamored with him. Yeah. And he gave him a small wind up music box. Right. 
And this is the similar music box that we see Hardy's Max have in his possessions found by one of the wives in the war rig. Oh, no way. And that's one of the first major clues. Okay. All right. Also supporting this theory, he doesn't say his name until the end. Right. And when he finally does say it, yeah, yeah. he says, uh, Max, my name is Max. That's my name. That's my name. Interesting. And it feels delivered in a way that, you know, he's saying it for the first time, kind of assuring himself that I am now the rogue warrior. I am this guy. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. And further to that, uh, the flashbacks, they don't line up. Okay. Back in Mad Max, we find out he had a wife and child. Yeah. And oh, son, yeah. Yeah. We see them get run down. Run by down the, by a biker yeah, gang. That's right. Whereas Tom Hardy flashes back. He had a daughter who was run down by Immortal Joe. Immortal Joe. Yeah, Immortal yeah, yeah. Joe. yeah. 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 So those don't line up. Oh, man. I got to go back and rewatch these. I love. First of all, I love Mad Max. I love all of them. Yeah. Uh, even even, even uh, Thunderdome. Thunderdome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tina Turner and 70 pounds of uh, chain mail. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now I got to go back and watch that. Oh. There's more evidence. Oh, okay. Let's go. Keep. Give me more. So uh, next there's the back tattoos. Right. And on his back. There's yep. a scene where we get to see that he's completely covered, done by the war boys. Yeah. And one of them reads day 12,045. Okay. Which is roughly 33 years even. Okay. So if that's intended to be his age, yeah. the timeline doesn't work out. But it would work out with the feral kid who would have been nine or ten during the road warrior. Yeah, I'd buy that. Nine. Yeah. Yeah, maybe even a little younger. Maybe, yeah. Maybe even a little younger because, I mean, he doesn't speak. He just kind of growls and yeah. grunts and has no uh, communication skills old enough that he can take direction from the director yes (laughs) but speaking of the director yeah uh, when put to director george miller yeah 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 he said oh that's interesting it sounds strange coming from the person whose brain these stories came out of but you know what's really interesting is the way that these are allegories and in many ways the story is in the eye of the beholder and i think that being the fury road theory yeah yeah. is a reasonable interpretation but not in my mind. So he is saying no. He says no, but it's still an interesting. Uh, it is an interesting yeah. theory. That one's really good. Now, this whole like, I wonder if we'll get. No, we probably won't because the whole Furiosa thing. We're not going to see. Probably won't see the Max character at all. Mm. <sighs> okay. Well, I like that one enough to say that it works for me. Yeah, it's a good head. I, I, could, bu- I could buy into that one easily. Yeah. Uh, next up, we're going back to a fairly dark theory. Okay. Uh, this time it is Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, oh, oh, the original. The oh, original. Yeah, yeah, and okay. it postures, what if Willy Wonka is actually a serial killer? Well, listen, uh, I watched. Uh, now, I know I've seen this. I mean, I'm not a huge fan, but I have seen this one. But the new one, the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, like Johnny Depp's portrayal, I but that guy is creepy, like <laughs> creepy with the big C. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Gene Wilder, he's got his moments, though. Yeah. Especially that trip down the tunnel. I don't know. I mean, I just I'm such a Gene Wilder fan from his other works. Yes. That it's hard for me to to go oh yeah serial killer oh well, you know maybe who knows maybe okay, tell me more well this theory uh it cites that uh during the end of joss whedon's cabin in the woods they laid out a few ground rules for making sacrificial offering offerings wow we to just summoned demonic beings to we, destroy the world we just went from willy wonka to the cabin in the woods we did <laughs> and okay. this fan theory noticed that willy wonka is basically following the same formula while giving the children a tour of his factory. Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> so each of the kids, they fit one of the five archetypes that Cabin in the Woods describes. Okay. Augustus is the whore who's, you know, oh, his yeah, lust for yeah, food yeah, yeah. leads to his downfall. Okay, yeah. Violet is the athlete who's yeah. gum-chewing champion brought down by an athletic challenge. <laughs> uh, Veruca is the fool, the spoiled brat who blindly runs in based on greed. Yeah, yeah. And... uh Mike TV is the scholar, uh-huh. a television expert who was taken down by his own arrogance. Oh, okay. And then finally, there's Charlie, who is the virgin, because yep. he's the most pure and innocent in right, motives. Right, 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 This explains kind of why uh, Willy Wonka is completely unfazed by each of these accidents. Accidents. Well, 
he does kind of have that weird sideways glance he does yeah yeah and uh, it also explains why uh his little helpers the oompa loompas yep have a song lined up for every kid as they face their fate (laughs) so you know just what exactly was willy wonka trying to summon oh because that's the other thing in the new one you get to see the kids leave at the end of the movie in the original you don't get to see them leave oh you know i don't know i don't know i mean is there some way we can tie this one into like the hansel and gretel thing the witch in the woods maybe the candy house could be kind of a similar vibe drawing them in with candy yeah yeah i mean did you see what's the what's the the modern take the the one with jeremy renner and uh kate beckinsale where they were like hansel and gretel like uh vampire uh, yeah slayers or something yeah yeah i haven't seen that one but i know of it oh it's fun you should watch it it's good yeah next one we got here this one's kind of a weird one okay but it uh it's about fight club yeah fight club yep and it says you know what if the narrator and tyler were just grown-up versions of calvin and Hobbes? oh come on (laughs) wait we know that the biggest plot twist in fight club is that tyler is actually you know he's not real he's just a figment of the narrator's imagination Sure. yeah 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 and what if a bigger twist you know they are Calvin and Hobbes grown up. That's weird because I mean the whole, oh, the whole every child has an imaginary friend and the, yes, it's the whole like whenever mom's around, you know Hobbes just kind of. <laughs> then when no one's around, he's alive. Yep. It kind of mirrors that whole Tyler Durden thing a little bit, uh, like looking in a mirror. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So right. according to this hypothesis, though, a young Calvin who used to create his imaginary friend out of the stuffed tiger yeah. grows up to be none other than the narrator. He's unnamed, so we never find out his name. Okay. And he reimagines his childhood friend, Hobbes, as Tyler. Uh, well, uh, okay, I guess. So that's a maybe, you know, imaginary friend grown up. Uh, the roots of this, though, yeah, yeah. Where would the roots of the secretive men-only fight club come from? Yeah, the exclusive boys-only club in Calvin and Hobbes. Gross. <laughs> Get rid of slimy girls that they created as children. I mean, and that you know, though, but you could trace that back even further. Like that's that's a riff on the. Uh, did you watch the Little Rascals? Yes, the He-Man Woman Haters Club. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So these were not uncommon clubs. This one just went to the extreme. Uh, yeah, yeah. And here we are talking about it. Yes, we are. Oh, my God. <laughs> this broke the first rule. Uh-oh. <laughs> now we're in trouble. So, yeah, I don't know. It's pretty flimsy, but uh, could be neat. That one, uh, That yeah, that one seems like someone just kind of went, uh, I'm going to make Maybe. a I'm gonna make a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> don't know how it tastes, but uh, it's a sandwich, I guess. Yes, it is. All right. And this next one is not a sandwich. Oh, okay. This is a whole buffet. Oh, nice. Uh, We're going back to Disney. Uh, Yeah, sure. This one is basically revolving around the Arendelle family tree. Oh, I know some of this one. This one. I know some of it. I don't know all of it. I I know. All right. Let's go through it. All right. So uh, here's how it works. At the beginning of Frozen. Right. Uh, we see Anna and Elsa's parents head off for a two-week journey by sea. And oh, yeah. Never told yeah, yeah, where yeah. they're going. No, we're not. But this event happens roughly three years before the rest of the events of the film. Yep. And this time scale is crucial because in real-world time, yep. Disney released another film three years prior to Frozen, and that was Tangled. The Tangled, yeah, yeah. The Rapunzel story. The Rapunzel story, yeah. Yeah. With, uh, um, um, oh, my Lord, uh, Chuck. Chuck is the hero, the, the male. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Next to Mandy Moore, I believe. Yeah. I say Chuck because I can't. Zachary Levi. Thank you. Ah, brain. It works. <laughs> but at the end of Tangled, uh, you know, Rapunzel and Flynn, they fall in love and get married. Yeah. And that takes place, you know, three years prior to uh, the events of Frozen. Yep. And, you know, when a royal wedding happens, other royals. You invite everybody else. Yeah. yeah likely yeah, yeah. to attend. And theorists believe that Anna and Elsa's parents may have died on the way to that wedding. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, so, no. Tragic. It is. But uh, the geography works for it, too. Oh. Because, yeah. yes, it's fictional. But it's grounded in, like. It's grounded in reality. Because, sure, sure. You know, could the ship have gone down on the wedding? Of course it could. Are we calling, like, 
I mean, Arendelle is pretty much a fictional country, isn't it? It is, but the landscape and its fjords are really similar to that of Norway. So we're calling it somewhere Scandinavia-ish? Yes. Scandinavia. I know that's not a real word. Anybody who's Scandinavian, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to insult you. But uh, Tangled is set in the fake country of Corona, which based on the architecture, landscape, and clothing, and the fact that it's a German fairy tale could well be Germany. Germany. Which is just over the sea from Norway. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm following so far. I'm so, catching uh, what you're pitching. There is proof these characters exist in the same world. Okay. In Frozen, yeah, we see the couple at Elsa's coronation. Oh, hell. Both Flynn and <laughs> Rapunzel are there. With a haircut. With a haircut. So it is post. <laughs> that, is a ma- that is a major haircut, too. <laughs> it is. Flynn gave her that cut. Uh, that's cool. So uh, there's that. But okay. And there's a connecting piece here. Sure. The geography of the Little Mermaid factors in here. Wait, what? Yeah. Okay. It's a little bit trickier because she's under the sea, but. Under the sea. Yeah. Uh, the fairy tale is originally from Denmark. Oh. And there's a statue of the Little Mermaid in Copenhagen. So if you place her there. Denmark is not a terrible guess. No, I guess it's not. And in the Little Mermaid film, Ariel swims around a sunken ship looking for thingamabobs. And this part, could she be plundering the wreck of Anna and Elsa's parents' ship? I suppose that's not impossible. No. This is another one, though, where like whoever was writing at the moment had to have gone back and intentionally considered the Little Mermaid to, to pull that forward. Yeah. That's interesting. But uh, we get some confirmation stuff here because in okay. a post on Reddit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, writer and director of Frozen, Jennifer yep. Lee, yep. has confirmed that the parents were indeed on their way to a wedding. Oh, yeah. So they never say whose wedding, yeah. but they just say wedding. A wedding. And as my daughter pointed out to me, uh, in Frozen 2, right. when Anna and Elsa find the ship that has been washed back up, they find yeah. travel plans that say they were looking for magic. Or ways to figure out Elsa. Oh, right, right. Yeah. But there's nothing to say that they weren't looking for those answers in Corona. No. Because with the Sunflower and Rapunzel's power, maybe they would have answers. So oh, why not double dip as they went to the wedding? Sure, sure. We can kill two birds. That's a horrible thing to say, kill going to a wedding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we can uh, make it a business and a pleasure trip. <laughs> yes, we can. <laughs> okay. But, uh, she went on to say something else and it adds another twist to the whole thing. All right. That in fact, they did not die right away. Oh no. But they were washed up and shipwrecked on an Island and had a baby boy. Oh, come on. Yeah. Okay. That just, that does not work. Are you sure? Absolutely sure. Because that just, that, that subverts, um, um, Doyle's writing. Hmm. The original story. True. Yeah. But as a connecting piece, uh, I guess she tells us that they had a baby boy and they built a tree house and they were eaten by a leopard. Oh, and uh, if Disney fans think that sounds familiar, it's because it is. It is the story of Tarzan. I was going to say, you know what? If we're already mixing our fairy tales, I guess this really isn't that much further of a stretch. No, it's not. But uh, all right. If that is true then that does make Tarzan that makes Tarzan their brother Prince of Arendelle and their brother. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah, that's an interesting one. But, I don't know. Uh, yeah. This one is actually only a piece of the further Disney theory because yeah. there's yeah, a theory yeah. that connects, I think 74 out of 77 Disney films. That goes like way further back then. Yeah. Okay. It's interesting though. Like, I like all those movies. I like them individually. I don't know if I like them as a combined, the the ones that are intentional that I buy into, but like chucking in like chucking Tarzan into that. Uh, I, I have a bit of a hard time with that one. Although again, you know, like how many kids grow up and this is the only version of those stories that they know that yeah. they, they don't know anything else about. I haven't read the original. Right. Or whatever, right. But. So I guess in that sense, sure. Sure. Why not? Yeah. So if it makes you happy. Yeah, exactly. Head cannon goes a long way. It sure does in my world. <laughs> so yeah, that's our uh, twelve fan theories. That's it. Twelve. We went through twelve we already. Burned through them. My fast. God, we blasted through that. We did. Oh my God. Well, that was a that was totally fun. I like that. That was a lot of cool. I I I didn't know. I'm surprised that uh, there was only a couple that I was actually aware of. 
which tells me that there's a whole lot more oh, out there. There is a lot out there. there. A lot of them are really dark, though. You said the other day that you thought you had enough for like a second. I thought I'm pretty sure I do. Yeah. Okay. So maybe we'll come back and do this again. We could. Oh my God. Wow. Anything else you want to touch on before we sign off? We got more stuff coming. Uh, there's lots more stuff coming. I am working on a super secret project uh, that is uh, so exciting. I can't contain myself, but I'm not going to tell you because that would just be <laughs> premature. You can do it. I don't want to do that. I'm really want to take my time with this one. And uh, it requires a lot of, of uh, work that we've never done before. <laughs> so be fun work. Though. <laughs> it is. It's going to be a lot of fun and I cannot wait to share it with all of you. And I hope that uh, you'll stick with us as we continue to do this. We've got uh, our next uh, review series coming up in the way of Obi-Wan in just a couple of weeks. Yeah. So we'll be back at it with um, the high ground. It's going to be a busy week. Uh, and then all kinds of things happening outside of that, that, uh, I just cannot stay on top of as much as I want to, but, uh, so this has been our wild and crazy uh, fan, uh, film theories. I want to say a big special thanks to Andy for putting this one together while I've been busy with my head down doing my special project. And if you guys have any crazy theories, let us know. Yeah, I want to hear all the crazy theories because that's just going to inform what movies I go and watch over the next few months because apparently neat. I need to either revisit or watch some of them <laughs> to try and put these things together. It's but neat to see how people really, connect yeah, the dots, it though. It totally is. Little breadcrumbs left here and there. and Yeah, 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 yeah. You know. Well, I very much, I thoroughly enjoyed this. I hope you did. I did. And I hope you guys did. So, uh Stick with us as there's a whole lot more coming down the pipe here at Fandom Power. And until the next one, my name is Wes. I'm Andy. And uh, we'll see you on the next one. Bye for now, guys. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Fandom Power. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking about another one of your favorite fandoms. Fandom Power is a Sawcast production.